0: From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. When the Labor government won the election back in May, it was a step forward for one family's years-long battle.
1: Tamil asylum seekers, the Nardessa family, are a step closer to home tonight. Max, they touched down at around 3 o'clock this afternoon, giving a quick wave to the cameras. The raw emotion visible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and a kiss, marking the end to a long journey home.
1: Me and my
0: family are very happy. With the Nutter Salingham family finally returning back to their former home in Biloela, the discussion again started to circle around to what message that would send to asylum seekers who choose to come to Australia by boat, and whether it would in fact encourage them. Today, we take a look at Australia's relationship with boats, borders and Wheeler to find out whether there's any truth to the theory that as soon as you allow one to stay, it opens up the floodgates for others. MOVE by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to move and we drop new workouts every single week If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription It's August 24, 2001 And the engines of the Palapa, a small Indonesian fishing vessel made to fit only 40 people, have failed. They are now adrift in the Indian Ocean, overloaded with 438 asylum seekers and crew on board, and the weather is bad. Some of those seeking asylum had been waiting in Indonesia for months after fleeing Afghanistan and the Taliban. Amongst them are many women and children. The women took off their headscarves and made a crude SOS message on the roof of the boat, a message that was picked up by a passing Australian coastwatch plane. Eventually, after heeding the call from Australian authorities, they were rescued by the crew of a Norwegian freighter called the MV Tampa. But Australian authorities said they wouldn't allow them to be brought to our shores. This incident at sea would set the benchmark for Australia's border policy for decades to come. It is also
1: about having an uncompromising view about the fundamental right of this country to protect its borders. We are a generous, open-hearted people, but we will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come.
0: That's then Prime Minister John Howard delivering his iconic speech on keeping our borders safe from those who would seek to come here without the correct documentation. At the time, it was seen as a bold move, one that would keep us safe. It was very popular with voters who returned the Liberal government to power. While the captain of the Tampa, worried about the health of the people he now had on board, ignored Australia's warnings and headed into our waters, where they were intercepted by Australian Elite Army Special Forces, the government was working on legislation that would enable them to reject those people from entering Australia and the Pacific solution was born. This new solution got around the fact that we as a country are signatories to the UN Convention relating to the status of refugees, which means we are legally obligated to protect those who enter our territory, be it by air or sea, by stopping them from ever getting here in the first place, striking agreements with neighbouring countries like Nauru for offshore processing. At the same time, they launched Operation Relics, where the military would turn back any boats they found trying to enter Australian territory, carrying asylum seekers, while also striking agreements with other countries where these boats were originating to stop them from ever leaving their waters. In the years that followed, the boats still came, sometimes with devastating consequences Like in 2010, when a boat was dashed against the rocks of Christmas Island, killing 50 people, including 15 children. And the boats are still coming. They just don't make it all the way to Australia. In fact, hundreds of asylum seeker boats have recently been turned back to Sri Lanka as they struggle through their worst economic crisis in 70 years. As Sri Lanka's economic crisis deepens...
1: ..leading to shortages of food, medicine and fuel and prompting fears of growing social unrest. Acute shortages, including fuel and food. People have to wait in long lines for hours to get even basic commodities.
0: But our government has an agreement with the Sri Lankan Navy to turn those boats back before they leave Sri Lankan waters, which means they're all stopped before they reach our shores. Well, almost all of them. Scott Morrison, in one of his final press conferences as prime minister, confirmed that Australian authorities had intercepted an asylum seeker boat that was travelling from Sri Lanka to Australia. Australian Border Force sent out a press release on the day of the federal election, which led to the New South Wales Liberal Party to send text messages to hundreds of voters, telling them the only way they could continue having strong borders was with a re-elected coalition government. The press release came despite years earlier, the coalition government making the decision to stop them from ever reporting on boat arrivals. They'd not issued any press releases about any of the other five boat interceptions they'd made in the four years leading up to election day. It was later revealed that the order to release the information was given by now former Prime Minister Scott Morrison. The Prime Minister, who, when he was Immigration Minister, had a trophy that he still had in his office in the shape of an asylum seeker boat, with I stopped these written down the side. As previously mentioned, strong border policy has been popular with Australian voters. The fallout from Operation Sovereign Borders has seen children placed into a Melbourne hotel where they languished for more than a decade. It has also seen a Tamil family, Priya and Nadez, who came to Australia by boat in 2012 and 2013, who met here and had two children, Tanika and Kobika, end up pulled from their home in Bilaweila in regional Queensland and placed in a series of detention centres, including 18 months on Christmas Island. Their court case has cost the Australian taxpayer tens of millions of dollars as the government sought to have them return to Sri Lanka, saying they were not eligible for asylum here. The government said they had exhausted every legal avenue available to them and that granting them asylum would send the wrong message to those who would seek to come here by boat. So now that they've been returned to bila will they now be allowed to stay? Marianne Kenny is an associate professor in the discipline of law within the College of Arts, Business, Law and Social Science at Murdoch University. Marianne, is this move the end of the legal drama for the Nada-Salingham family or is there still a road ahead for them?
1: Yeah, the family have finally returned home, but what has to happen now is that they are in fact on bridging visas. So those are temporary visas pending an outcome of getting something more permanent. So if I understand it, the government has indicated that they're looking at different options for them in order for them to remain in Australia permanently. So the bridging visa is one that just allows you to remain in a community, but you can't travel or anything like that.
0: How is the government getting around that backlash that they get when they do look at these individual cases and look at getting them a visa to stay permanently, which is when people say, but this will just encourage more people to try and come here by boat. That's what the previous government was sticking to their guns for and not allowing them to go back to Biller-Wheeler. What's changed?
1: I don't. No, that too much has changed. I mean, I think that obviously any time a visa is granted all these issues are raised and it becomes a political issue um, where they raise issues around boats, I think you just have to look at if that borne out by the evidence. Is this continued sort of cruelty necessary in order to deter boat arrival? We've seen that in relation, for example, to people who were sent to Manus and Nauru. When there was discussion about people coming back for medical treatment, there was a big uproar saying that if people are allowed to return to Australia, this will encourage boat arrivals, and it hasn't. And all of those people from Manus and Nauru, they're gradually being resettled to places like the United States and New Zealand, so they are getting permanent outcome and there hasn't been boats arriving in Australia.
0: Is Sri Lanka a safe place to return asylum seekers to at this point in time?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. I mean, there's been some continued problems in Sri Lanka. In relation to this particular family, for example, I don't think it's a safe place to return them to because they have been such a high-profile case in Australia. So if you were to return them, I think it would be highly problematic because it's clear their claims that they've put forward in relation to their fears of return to Sri Lanka, particularly in relation to Nardis' possible association with the Tamil Tigers, I'm not saying he was. So their issues have been discussed in the media. It would not be safe to return those people home.
0: Now Operation Sovereign Borders has been in place for quite a significant time period now. This is just one family that we've been talking about in this whole system, how many other people are in a similar position? I mean, I know we just recently saw the asylum seekers who'd been held in the Melbourne Hotel released after spending a good decade locked inside. How many people are in similar situations to the Nardisellingham sellingham family?
1: So between August 2012 to around January 2014, we had around 30,000 people arrive in Australia by boat Some of those were taken for processing off to Madison, Nauru, around 1500, but the remainder did stay in Australia. And the coalition's government policy was, if they were processed, they would only be given a temporary visa, never given access to permanent residence. They put them through a new fast track processing system, which in fact was not fast. It took a long time. There were significant delays in processing. So you ended up, with around 20,000 people who were accepted as refugees, around 60% of the group, and around 9,000 who were refused. But in that refusal, the processes were quite unfair. There was a reduction in access to legal assistance. The process was quite complicated. So there were many people who went through that system who should have been accepted as refugees were it not for a very unfair process. So it's hard to say exactly how many people that went through that process of the 9,000 like the nutter Summingham family are actually people who should have been accepted as refugees. If we look at, for example, we compare this group of people, if we say there's around 60% were accepted, very similar groups were sent to Nauru and Manus Island in terms of their background and profile, countries of origin. And the acceptance rates there were around 80%. So there are quite a lot of people, I think, in a very similar situation. It's really not clear what the current government will do with that group of people, whether they will provide them options for obtaining permanency or re-examine their cases.
0: We know that the new Labor government is planning on continuing Operation Sovereign Borders, but will they make any changes that might make it a little bit kinder to the people who are in that system right now?
1: So, their current platform is that anybody of that legacy case load as are nine, there's thirty thousand people. They've said those that have been found to have been refugees and granted temporary protection visas or safe haven enterprise visas, they'll be allowed access to permanent visas. So that's a very positive thing. That's part of their platform and they restated it again in the election. As to what happens with the remainder, It's not clear. They haven't stated anything at the moment. But we're hopeful, I guess, in relation to the response to the Biloela family, that they've got an understanding of some of the unfairness of the system and also an idea to sort of say, you know, we can be strong on borders, but we don't have to be inhumane to people who are here.
0: Operation Sovereign Borders has slowed the arrival of asylum seeker boats in Australian waters – But it hasn't stopped those boats from leaving the shores of the places where those desperate enough to pay a people smuggler will try and escape the terror of a country at war or a country in crisis. So is there a better solution to the current system we have in place in Operation Sovereign Borders? Can we find something that doesn't cost us, the taxpayer, a huge sum of money each year for offshore processing and detention? One that doesn't open us up to security issues from those who would try to enter Australia under the guise of seeking asylum? one that would not see desperate people put their lives and the lives of their children at risk, crossing the seas to arrive here, to a place they see as safer and so worth the risk.
1: It's really hard to come up with a perfect solution. If we're looking at the number of people displaced at the moment, there's around 100 million people that have been forcibly displaced due to conflict that might be within their own country or cross borders. I do think there are better ways that we can do things, and I think that we have demonstrated that. I mean, if I could give the example just recently in terms of our response to people coming from Ukraine, we have allowed people to come here on valid visas. so we've opened up legal pathways for people to come, allowed them to come to Australia, and then provided them with emergency assistance. So we've provided them with temporary protection, and that's a good use of temporary protection as long as it leads to a more durable solution for those people. We could also look to what can we do within our region. We can cooperate with our neighbours, as we are doing it in the Pacific, with New Zealand, and in particular with Indonesia and other countries. So we have to do things domestically, but we also have to contribute more internationally.
0: This episode of The Quickie was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Tom Lyme. Big thanks to anyone listening who's become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. For more information, head to mamma forward slash subscribe.